0: who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. Verge 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.
1: It is a football Friday, even though it's not leading into a weekend Sunday game, we know what it's leading into an eventual game called Super Bowl 57 between the Eagles and the Chiefs, and a lot of people are talking about it, including your two buddies, Mac and Mac, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. I had a chance to hear from some Eagle players yesterday, Andy Reid uh, spoke about the fact that he might be down one of his key wide receivers for the uh, big game. And everybody else is chiming in, Johnny Mac, which we're going to uh, chop up over the course of the next two hours. We'll be joined by Mike Gill from the Sports Bash, Dave Zangaro from NBC Sports Philadelphia. So a lot to do over the next two hours. All right, those who uh, were made available to you guys uh, as Eagle Beat Riders yesterday, anybody say anything awe-inspiring, shocking, made you take notice, or just a uh, another... Here's what we think about the upcoming game session.
2: Yeah, it's one of those, you know, Super Bowls. So you have all these uh, narratives and, you know, Jalen Hurts obviously got asked about uh, uh, the first time uh, two African-American quarterbacks will be starting the game. So you have all those stories. The two youngest quarterbacks when you compare them, not youngest, but tandem youngest uh, to start a, a Super Bowl. Dual threat. You know how many people say, "Oh, dual threat option can't win a Super Bowl." Well, those people are <laughs> hanging on for dear life. Um So you have all those narratives. You know, AJ Brown talked. You know, he and Willie Gay of the Chiefs went to high school together, so that's an interesting. They won a state championship, Um played at Ole Miss and Mississippi State, so they had the A Bowl rivalry. Now they're they're good friends, uh, having in. NFL Super Bowl rivalry so that's a pretty cool story um, you know Brandon Graham talked about <laughs> um, the um, and I'm glad he did he talked about the original uh, Nick Sirianni the initial Nick Sirianni presser that we we all talked about and he got so much criticized for by the way Nick if you're watching this I talk to Nick all the time a lot of the media were really really fair to you it wasn't the media well, I'm not going to say everybody, but you know, these two guys gave you a chance. Said, "Let's give you a chance," um, but he used that, and 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 Brandon said that's when he won him over because a lot of coaches would have pretended it didn't bother him, but it did bother him, and he's mentioned that in the past before, but not on the record. Um, so some interesting things. I haven't really delved into the game all that much yet but you mentioned Nicole Hardman it's looking like he's not going to be able to play. He's got a core muscle injury. Um for whatever reason re- receivers. A lot of a lot of Deshaun Jackson similarities. Remember when Deshaun had that injury tried to come back, played, I don't know, a few plays and was back out. Same thing with Nicole Hardman so Eagles getting a break. That's a pretty dynamic player. Um uh, you know, home—not consistent, but home run hitter that can get can hurt you in in those types of ways. So uh, that's a big break. And um, but we got a whole week to talk about the game. Unfortunately, the, be nice. The reason why I Sunday. don't think
1: the reason why I don't think the Hardman thing is a big deal is. He hasn't played months
2: no he, he came, came back, back he just came a back handful yeah of
1: plays in a championship game and he was back yeah. out again so it was like oh my god you're subtracting this from the other well, they haven't had it for two months yeah they and they yeah. Uh, i think he missed seven and put up big numbers yeah. without nicole Hartman, so. Yeah, of course, it's better for the Eagles that he's not in than he's in, but it's not like, oh, my God, the Chiefs are doomed because they don't have the Cole Hardman. they haven't had him for
2: months. No. Yeah, seven – I think he missed seven games, and he came back for 15 plays, and he was out again. So, yeah, they know what it's like to play without him. But it, it, I assume they – you know, we're excited to get him back, and it didn't last long for him, and, and, and they're banged up at receiver as a whole. Um, so – uh, would have been nice from their perspective to have that extra body. But, yeah, they've, they've done just fine without him. I'm not going to say he's a a foundational piece for them.
3: If
1: uh, the Eagles lost, say, oh, Devonta Smith, that would be a huge loss because he's been a massive part of their offense all year long. Nicole Hardman, because of injury, hasn't been as big a part. And, oh, by the way, just so we get on the record, you can uh, say you're – When Nick Sirianni had an opening press conference, I went on the air and said, that wasn't good. No, it wasn't good. But I didn't say, oh, my God, the Eagles have screwed this up. They need to start looking for a new coach now. No, I said, let's let him coach a couple of games before we have a final decision on whether he should be the Eagles coach. What do you think, Eagle fans? And there were those in the media who took it a bit further than I did, uh, but Eagle Nation, Eagle fans were uh, up in arms that uh, you got a guy fumbling and bumbling through his first press conference, and there were some that were ready to push him out. So uh, just so, so we're on the record about that. If it was brought up again, if Brandon Graham appreciated the fact that uh, the coach showed his human side by being ticked off, that he was overly critiqued for his first one. Good on Brandon, good on the coach, and good on the coach because he's ready. I know you guys got a chance to talk to me the other day. That's the thing that came uh, across uh, for me was the fact that he was relaxed. He was ready, that this thing is not going to be too big for him. I think it is an advantage for the Chiefs with more players that have been there before. The coaching staff, certainly just a couple of years from removed from it. And the Eagles coaching staff, led by Sirianni, have not had this experience well, you couldn't tell. It's so funny because you compare what he what he looked like the other day with what he looked like at his first press conference. Nervous as all get out. Oh, my God, too big for the moment. He looked like a guy who was calm, cool, and collected getting ready for the biggest game of his Yeah.
2: Life. Yeah. It's funny how that works. And they were both on Zoom. Remember, that was virtual earlier this week. Um, We were still in the sort of back into the pandemic era when he was hired so i think that's part of it like if if nick's in a room with you he's gonna win you over he's one of those guys um you know through a screen it's a little bit more difficult and obviously he was nervous and why shouldn't he be nervous um and yeah it could have went better but at the end of the day I think most of us, not all of us, but most of us said, well, well you know, who cares? I, you know, it's a, it's an introductory presser. Um, is he a good football coach? I had no idea at the right. time. We'll wait and uh, see. <laughs> yeah. And, and we'll see. And by the way, when they started two and five, you know, there were some issues and some question marks, but man, ever since that two and five start, I don't know. Do the math. They were nine and eight. So what that's seven and three plus what it was, what 16 and three. That's pretty stinking good. Yeah, that's, that's pretty stinking good. And if you take out the jail and hurt injured games, it's even better. I mean, and there's not much to complain about at this no, point.
1: If you are, you're just uh, a negadelphian. Uh, which I don't think we have much of. Those people are in hiding this week leading into this game. I right, uh, did see this uh, checked in a couple of different places from those who are uh, overtly uh, rooting for the Eagles and any time the Eagles are slighted in the smallest of ways. Some of the complaints leading up to this game and this entire season are, are well worth noting. The whole Jalen Hurts uh, isn't going to get the MVP because he got hurt. I- I'm sorry about that, but that's just a fact. That's not an opinion. That's not a we're being disrespected kind of thing. That's just the way that award goes. Um, Yeah. Axiom of your most important ability is availability holds true in MVP voting. And unfortunately, not Jalen's fault, but he got hurt and he missed two games. He came back and yeah, the Eagles won, but didn't look great in the last regular season game. And the importance of the game when you haven't locked things up, get bigger with each game at the end of the season. Yeah, it's going to cost him the MVP. Mahomes is going to win the MVP. But Jalen could get the more important, or at least as important, MVP. That would be of the Super Bowl. And I did check the odds this morning, John. He is the actual favorite. Even though Patrick Mahomes is the guy who's been there, done that, the guy who's probably going to take down the regular season MVP because the Eagles are favored to win the game. Slight favorite, but a favorite just the same. Jalen Hurts is actually the slight favorite to win the MVP. I think that'd be okay with Eagle fans. If he lost the regular season MVP but won the Super Bowl MVP, I think they'd get over that snub of the yeah. regular season. Pretty definitely. well, I
2: mean, Philadelphia fans should know this from Joel Embiid. If they follow other sports, I mean, if you don't play, you're not going to win the award. I mean, that's just the way it goes. And that's part of it. And unfortunately got hurt at, at the wrong time. Um, Ultimately, it would have been an interesting race. I still think Patrick Mahomes uh, would have won it, but because of how people think of the awards and just going on history. But that's just an opinion. Um, Either way, I say, you know, he played at an MVP level. So that to me is the more important part. Uh, And when you're in the conversation um, and you're not going to the second hand, you're a good player. And you've had a good season. Um, and and that's the case with Jalen Hurts, who I I would guess would finish number two. And we'll see how the boats shake out uh, with our buddy Rob Motte. But I would guess it would be home, Mahomes uh, one and Jalen Hurts two. But we'll sh- see how it shakes out. That's exactly um, how I think it's going to go. Yeah. As far as the Super Bowl MVP, it makes sense. The, the quarterback of the favorite team, that's going to be the betting favorite. I mean, that's always going to be the betting favorite. It's always should be the betting favorite. Doesn't mean you know other guys can't jump up. We talked about Super Bowl MVPs, some weird ones, and in, in, in recent years, some defensive ones. There's always a chance you make a big splash play that turns the game and you win the award. But if if you just want to pick the winner, you know, pick the quarterback of the 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 the, the favorite team and chalk chalk is a good good way to go if you're just worried about the winner. But you want to
1: know something, Joe? I was actually pretty surprised.
2: I, I was on one website this morning.
1: Um, what would you guess the percentage is of quarterbacks winning the MVP award?
2: Uh, in, in history? history. What we, 50,
1: 56 MVPs, 56, 56 Super Bowls.
2: Uh, I would say it's it's got to be more than half. So um, I'm going to go 29. <laughs> well, g- g- give me 52%. 50, well, Yeah, it's only 55.
1: I would have thought it would have been even higher than that. I would have thought it would have been been more like
2: 70. Well, I think back in the the early days, um I think they were more willing to look at other positions. Um you know, but then again, nah, nah, not I you know, if you go back to Bart Starr and Joe Namath, I mean, what, that's one, two, three as quarterbacks. Um Cooper Cup won it last year. I right. know that. Um you know, he had two touchdowns. Um I remember remember Edelman won it, uh, which was kind of a bit of a surprise, especially with Tom there. Um, talked about Bond Miller, Larry Brown yesterday. Um, Desmond Howard wanted. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had the kickoff return. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's it's possible. One game, you know, like if if the NFC Championship game was the Super Bowl, Hassan Reddick would have been the MVP. I would yeah. think. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you never know.
1: And uh, uh, I was just a little surprised. I, I thought it was a little bit more lopsided for the quarterback, specifically in this era, as you say, because the running backs have become an afterthought. If if Miles Sanders jumps up and rushes for 125 yards and pulls down that trophy, uh, that would be saying something because you got to go back – to Terrell Davis the last time a running back oh, won the boy, MVP. He deserved award. it too. He he deserved that MVP. That's that's been a couple of years ago, but uh, Jalen is the slight favorite over Patrick Mahomes the same way the Eagles are the slight favorite over the Chiefs at this time. Um both teams are getting their chance to get their uh thoughts in and, and points in before it starts and their practices in and the injury reports of it Can we judge anything by these injury reports to walk through, John's? It looks like the Eagles are in tremendous shape and ready to go. I guess the biggest question is, and it could be huge, who will punt for the Eagles in Super Bowl 57?
2: Well, I think it's going to be Aaron Cipas. I really do. I mean, they wouldn't have started his practice window if they didn't want him to punt. Um, you know it's interesting. I looked at Brett Kern's numbers yesterday. They're not that bad, but for whatever reason, it comes across as he hasn't done well. Um, and Sipos, you know, no one, no one liked him until they saw Brett Kearn, So I was gonna say, well,
1: which one is it? They nobody likes Brett Kern. He's not that bad.
2: Uh, I I think he's. Well, the Tommy Townsend might be the best punter in the league. So, if we're going punters, Kansas City's winning the Super Bowl. The good thing is I don't think uh, punters are going to win the Super Bowl. So, it's been a weakness for the Eagles all year, comparatively speaking to the other good punters. Um, And that will continue. But, you know, the fact they started his practice window, Aaron thought he was ready to go at least two weeks ago. Um you know, maybe if he shows up in practice and doesn't look good, maybe they'll stick with Kern. They got time to make a decision. But I would think they started the window. That's it's an indication they want him to punt,
1: right? Or at least since they have the flexibility, it doesn't take up any roster space to activate someone off the IR. Um, a little competition never hurt anybody,
2: isn't that one of
1: Nick Sirianni's tenants? Competition is a good thing. Yeah,
2: it's so. five, but. Uh, Core philosophies, competition, big one, big one, connection, competition. If it's in the
1: if it's in punter position this week, that's a good thing. You don't usually think of that. Oh, who's going to be the punter come Super Bowl? That, that I don't know if we've ever had that before in the 56 previous Super Bowls. I'm sure it happened once. I just don't remember it. But uh, yeah, it could be the return of Aaron Sippus for the uh, Eagles come Super Bowl Sunday. Don't. Yeah, here's what you have to hope, Eagle fans. It's a complete non-story and a nothing burger. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully
2: they don't have to punt. You know, maybe maybe it's one of those games. So here's Brett Kern, by the way, real quick in the playoffs, forty-four point one gross average, not bad. Thirty-nine point three net, not great. Three inside the twenty, one touchback. He's been fine, but you know for for whatever reason people have looked at him as some kind of disaster i haven't seen that he's not you know he's not that kid from tennessee that outkicks his coverage all the all the time that he lost out to um that kid's unbelievable but uh you know he's been fine
1: yeah um and he hit a wire which was uh... he did
2: hit a wire
1: I, I, I'm not going to hold that against him um, if uh, they they replace him. He's going to get a Super Bowl ring if the Eagles win the whole thing. So uh, glad to have you for the couple of weeks we had you, Brett. To be determined. We'll see if that's exactly how it shakes out. He's Jody Mack. I'm Jody Mack. Uh, we're going to have a couple of guests today, see what they have to say about the Eagles Chiefs. And there are a bunch of people that have chimed in across the NFL about this upcoming game. Some pretty interesting, as a matter of fact, other uh, than I do want to break down with John. Hoping to do some of that with Mike Gill from the Sports Bash down the shore. Uh, usually Gill hops on a Wednesday. We had some scheduling issues, so he said he can do Friday with us. So I'm uh, hoping to talk to Mike Gill from the Sports Bash up next here on Birds 365.
5: Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers, Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event.
6: Weather forecasting is a team game.
7: We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information.
6: We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul.
7: Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different.
6: That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction.
7: And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game.
6: And we have the best team in town.
1: got your Mega Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here on Birds 365. We are joined by one of our regulars. They've done a great job with us Wednesday all year. Some scheduling conflict, So we asked Mike Gill to join us on a football Friday. He said, done deal. I'll come on with you guys. Gill, what do you do on Fridays? Most Fridays.
3: Same thing I do on Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, except for Friday, I have lunch with my father as opposed to Wednesday where I have to feed myself.
2: Oh, there we go. Well, that's so a little bit of a change. So it, it, you know the day on Friday since you're having lunch with your – because you and I struggle with days of the week, man. We don't know what day.
3: Well, no, he'll text me and just say, just make – you know, it's the same text every week. You know, I don't want to be a bother, but just making sure we're still on for lunch. And I'll respond 1220 same place. I got to tell them we eat at the same place at the same time, every Friday, but I All still right, got nice. to say 1220 at this place. See you there. Consistency
1: right. is a good thing. And we're hoping for that with the Eagles. However, you can say the same thing about the Kansas City Chiefs. both of these team exact same record, exact same number of points scored over the entire season. There are differences, but there are similarities. And when they you know the Eagles are a point and a half to a two-point favorite going into the game. Why do you think that's the case, Mike?
3: Well, I mean, and they both have six all-pro players as well. I mean, so their similarities are everywhere. But uh, to me, um, this goes back to what I thought about the 49er game. I think I told you guys I didn't think that game would be close. I know the quarterback situation murkyed the waters. I Don't know that that made a big difference. I think I don't think Brock Purdy was putting 30 points on the board. Um, I think Philadelphia was going to probably dominate that game. I think Philadelphia is just better, I just think they're a better roster. Uh, Kansas City has Mahomes, and that's why the line might be closer. If Mahomes isn't playing quarterback for this team, this line should be, I mean, Philadelphia should probably be a five to six point favorite in this game, their roster. It is hard for us sometimes in Philadelphia to come to terms that we have nice things. We like being the underdog. (laughs) This team is just flat out better than than everybody they played. It's not – they haven't played anybody. The path was too easy. No. They're better than everybody. If you're one of those people that looks at this Eagles team and says they didn't play anybody, the path was so easy, tell me what about this team doesn't impress you. Where do you look at this team and say – Well, they're not very good there. You can't find one spot. I could find spots in Kansas City that you might say, they got some issues in that spot. I think Philly's one spot would be the middle of the field against Kelsey. Kansas City's spot is a lot of places. If San Francisco had trouble stopping around, they got their ass kicked up front. Now, Chris Jones is probably better on the interior than anybody they have. But if they couldn't stop the run, and they have the two best linebackers in the league to help them, how's this going to go?
2: Yeah, fair point. I mean, the Chiefs have have a, a good pair of linebackers as well, not quite as good as San Francisco, as you mentioned. Chris Jones has been. I mean, Chris Jones might be the second best player in the Super Bowl. I look at it like um, the the Chiefs are top heavy, and the Eagles are far more well rounded. Uh, the the top of the Chiefs roster Which is basically Mahomes Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey That's phenomenal Those three players at those three positions But then You know, the Eagles It's everywhere, as you mentioned And, and you talked about the middle of the field, Mike Well, yeah, everybody's got a problem with Travis Kelsey Everybody yeah. But the Eagles have C.J. Gardner-Johnson They have Avante is back. They have um TJ Edwards, Kaiser White, Marcus Epps, they just peck away at you. It's like a, a baseball team with a great lineup from one through nine. You know, and there's no there's nowhere for the pitcher to relax because everybody can hurt you up and down that lineup. And you know, Miles Sanders was the one who said this is an all-star team, and we all laughed at him at the time. They were really, really stinking close with twenty two guys. Uh, 17 of them had some kind of, po- actually 18 of them had some kind of postseason uh, honors. It's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, John, you know, um, I look
3: at this team a lot and it's like, why are we not coming to terms with how good this team is? Why is it holding, why are people holding back? Why do they not want to say what, what we're all seeing here? And I guess it goes back to our predetermined, many people's predetermined thought of the quarterback, right? Yeah. As you just said, they have the best offensive line in football. And quite frankly, it might be one of the best offensive lines. Like back in the yeah. 80s, they would have had a nickname. They'd be the Hogs or something. This offensive line is that dominant. The, the Washington Redskins back then won Super Bowls because they had the best offensive line. I mean – I heard Doug Williams on the radio yesterday. Doug was a great quarterback, but they weren't winning the game because Doug Williams was some magical master no. of football. They had
2: Timmy and they won Smith. with. By the way, they won with three different quarterbacks. Uh, right, uh, Timmy Smith.
3: Timmy Smith has the record for most yards in a in a Super Bowl game. He's the only running back in NFL history to go over two hundred yards in the yeah. Super Bowl and not be in the Hall of Fame. Why? They have the best offensive line in football, and the Eagles right now have what Washington dominated with in the 80s. We're watching a team. That's the issue. We're watching a team that has turned the clock back in philosophy with an offense that looks new. This RPO didn't wasn't used back then, but what they're doing is what teams back then did. They just shoved it down your throat, and then if they have to, because they shoved it down your throat so much, they'll throw it down the field, and they happen to have two guys that are excellent to be able to go down the field. I mean, Devonta Smith, I know he didn't catch that ball, but to be even making a conversation to fool the referee to think he caught the ball was a play in itself. A.J. Brown, all year long, uh, he has been the best at going down the field. He has six touchdowns of over 20 yards. There are just so many different ways they can get you. And I think it comes back to, Many people's predetermination of Jalen Hurts was, well, he's not good enough. Well, now he's showing he is good enough, but nobody wants to believe it. It's much like last year to me, guys, where nobody wanted to believe in the Bengals. Like, you have to do something to prove that I should believe in you. And the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. And now this year, people believed in the Bengals. They got the benefit of the doubt because of what they did a year ago. And that's kind of where Philadelphia is now. They are, hey, I can't believe in you because you haven't done this before and I didn't think you were able to do it. You need to do it and then do it again next
2: year. Yeah, they're going to not play anybody and win the Super Bowl somehow. But, uh, yeah. Let me play some
1: devil's advocate for you there, Mike, Uh, because if you're right about the Philadelphia fans still having questions on Jalen Hurts, when he went 13-1, and shame on them if they – we we still don't know because he hasn't won a playoff game. 13-1 and isn't enough of an example. Come on. Uh, But here's where I think a question could be legit. He really hasn't done anything since he's come back. He bangs up the shoulder. He sits for two games, even if you want to give him a pass for the giant regular season game because they called the game very conservatively. They didn't need to take chance. They didn't need to have him throw the ball. They didn't need to put him at risk. You give him a pass on that game, that's fine. He hasn't thrown for 160 yards yet. And, again, it all comes down to, well, they didn't need him to or he wasn't capable of because he had some open guys downfield. He didn't throw the greatest passes. You think he's 100% coming into this game?
3: No, I think it's a great point, Jody, is that he did not play well last week. They didn't need him to, but he didn't. And and this goes back to, you know, he took shots down the field. He was a little off. And if that's the case in this game, are they going to need him to make more of an impact than he has? We talked about on my show yesterday, you know, Jerry Jones made this comment that seems to be a bit outlandish, but you know, that the Eagles better win this year because they're going to be like the Rams. It's just going to fall apart. And, and my point was, wait a second. The Eagles essentially have the Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying he's better than Mahomes. I'm just saying they have the best quarterback in the conference. Kansas City's roster has slowly deteriorated, but they're back here for the fifth time, not in the Super Bowl, but in the championship round because they have the best quarterback. Are the Eagles in a run? where they are about to be that Chiefs-like team because they have the best quarterback. Well, this game, I think, might show us a lot more of if they need to have Jalen Hurts be a big part of it because the roster is going to start deteriorating. Are they going to have to start leaning on him more? So this particular season, it might not matter as much, but going forward, if they want to keep this run going you know, with Jalen Hurts, it's probably going to have to be more because of him. So, Jody, I don't think this game is going to have to be more because of him. But moving down the road, it might have to be. And we don't know that he can carry the team all by himself. He hasn't had to. Now, the offense in the future shouldn't take much of a step back. Their problems are going to be more on defense. I mean, this offensive line should be back except for, say, Amala. I would imagine they can't bring him back. But everybody else is, is is Sanders, too. I don't think Sanders has a probably 50-50, but the rest of the offense. So his offense should stay intact, except for maybe Steichen, who has another interview uh, with the Colts this week. The Colts so, are
2: coming in town. You never know what yeah. Jim say. He's trying so, to convince everybody to hire Jeff Satter. So. Right. So, Jody, they might not
3: need him in this game to – show and and that'll be and that'll be the interesting offseason well he didn't play well in the playoffs he can't win a, a thing for a, a chip for the team and that will be uh something he'll have to prove people wrong. it'll just be another thing for him to have to prove people wrong again and that's been his entire career
2: yeah and that's where i uh, where jerry i think jerry jones was wrong with that sort of comp because you know the Rams had matthew stafford over leveraged uh aging quarterback who made a ton of money the Eagles have a 24-year-old quarterback on his rookie deal. And, you know, Jerry fails to understand And maybe this is the problem in Dallas. He he better get a better salary cap guy in there because Howie Roseman will sign Jalen Hurst to an extension. And by the way, Joe Banner put the number, Mike, at 47 to 52 average annual value, not dollars, millions of dollars. 47 to 52 average annual value. But he's still got one year left on his rookie deal. So Howie did this to a lesser degree with A.J. Brown. He signed him to the big extension, but it doesn't kick in really from a salary cap standpoint in a, in a significant way to the third year of the contract. By then, who knows? He might be reworking the deal. Same thing will happen here with Jalen Hurts. So they still have that extra window. But well, you're right to have a Kansas City run. Where you're making five consecutive championship games, what is it, three out of four Super Bowls now, or a New England run? It's gotta be about the quarterback at some point, because at some point, forty seven to fifty two is gonna affect your ability to to build the back end of the roster.
3: Well, that and, and the coach, too. I mean, this was uh, in, in in New England. It was the Brady Belichick. And in Kansas City, you're, I mean, I don't know how much longer Andy's going to coach. He's 64, 65 years old. But him and Mahomes together, they're going to be if they stay together, they probably go 10 times together right they'll probably be in the AFC championship game I don't mean you're making a Super Bowl every year but you're going to be in the championship game or round or, or or conversation you know when McNabb was here with Andy you would get your old Sports Illustrated and McNabb would be on the cover every year the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl it would be the prediction in August because you had Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb and that was better than everybody else in the conference for the most part is Nick Sirianni who got a shot taken at him yesterday And Jalen Hurts, that combination for the NFC, that that will be um, very interesting to see moving forward. And that a lot will have to do with how how he navigates through this offseason. But you're right, John. I sat in – well, I'm in a different room than I'm normally in, and I think this one's probably better. But – I sat here with you guys in August, and you guys brought up about paying Hertz twenty million dollars yeah. a year. And I think we twenty five, but yeah, we, we thought that sounded yeah. preposterous yeah. based on the year that we saw. Now you're throwing 50 at us. 50. And we're kind and of and they going, better,
2: and by the way, they better get it done before Burrow and, and Justin Herbert Joe pointed that out. You better get it done because it ain't going down, it's only going up.
3: Absolutely. And if he has a big game here, does it go up even more?
1: Oh, that's a possibility. If he outplays Patrick Mahomes, well, then very fair to come to uh, the guy who's going to be quarterbacking the other team. All right. And the guy who's coaching the other team is Andy Reed. We all watched Andy coach and commented on Andy coaching and the fact that Andy Reid, not a CEO coach. I know my partner has an opinion on that. um, From time to time, makes a technical error in the middle of the game is that a how big a plus if it's a plus at all for the eagles in this game that andy Reid will be doing what andy Reid always does excellent play calling but timeout usage may be questionable maybe makes a strategic decision that doesn't work out would you consider that an edge for the eagles this week because they've got a very young super bowl wet behind the years coach but at least the ceo coach
3: yeah, you know it's funny. Um, the Sirianni uh, yesterday, uh, Love took a shot at Sirianni, and I happen to have Ross Tucker on for my Believe in Eagles podcast, which uh, is out right now, so you can check that out. Um, and Ross, I asked him about Love's comments and what he thought, and he said that he said Sirianni. It's not just Sirianni, by the way. It's the staff and in the NFL, it's your staff. And Sirianni and his staff just absolutely out coached shanahan last week he says and i don't know what love is watching they out coached dayball as well so um the andy reed portion of this will be in a big game if it's a close game will andy's deficiencies be a, be an issue he is the one of the best coaches we've ever seen i mean i think he's what top five in all-time wins i mean he's gonna go down as one of the best coaches of all time i have no Uh, But, again, I go back to uh, a rant I had with you guys last week. Why do we think coaches would be good at everything? He might be a great play caller and great designer and great schemer and great culture setter and great this. But why does that mean you're also great at managing the clock? And we know that that's something that Andy has had problems with. So if this game is close, Jody, yeah, you better be sure that the Eagles have – a check mark on that side of the ball in managing the clock and using their timeouts. So if that comes into play, sure. Now preparation, getting ready for this game in two weeks. We know Andy's one of the best. You know, what are the twenty eight and four off a buy or something? Nick Sirianni, by the way, three and zero off of buy. He's turning into a little Andy Reid himself on that. So yeah, the coaching is going to have a big factor, and we all think that's easily Andy Reid. Which I'm not saying it's not, but when it comes to a close game, that's where you have to see. Is Andy going to hold up in a close game? And Nick Sirianni, while he has no big game close games, has shown in close games, we're not sitting on Bird's 365 the next day after an Eagles game blaming Nick Sirianni for managing the clock and using timeouts wrong. That has not been something he has had issues with. So I think you would give a check, mix in time management to Philadelphia. The rest of the stuff, Andy is more than, more than capable.
2: Yeah. And Andy's changed over the years from when he was in Philadelphia. One of the most impressive things about Andy to me is, you know, if you ask me who the most innovative coach in the NFL is, I'm going to go Andy Reid. He's 60. He's almost a senior citizen and, you know, supposedly the new age coaches. He's the one that morphs and changes, and he's given up play calling. He's sort of like in between. Um, he's given up play calling to Doug, but people didn't know what times and Matt Nagy and, and Eric, the enemy and, you know, but he'll take it back if it's not working. So he kind of toggles in between. Um, and yeah, he's a first ballot hall of fame coach, but here's one I want to talk about. Nick, who's a very good young coach. Um, and you mentioned the Julian love comments here's the concern. We just went through this with Doug Peterson. Once you set the standard, you and I talked about this on your show yesterday, Mike, this is the standard now. Then the expectations change. And like I said, Nick Sirianni might win nine games or 10 games or 11 games two years from now. And he might be a better coach than he is right now. People aren't going to look at it that way. Are they?
3: No, of course not. I mean, this is a, especially uh, the Philadelphia fans, which are the fantastic. It's what's making it. what makes a fan being great is watching the irrationality of every fan around you that you have shared this common bond with, which is, yeah, I mean, you might win 12 games with a lesser roster than you currently have, and people are expecting more because you gave them more before. So a 11-12 win team might be, wow, you did an amazing job with this team, but people wanted you to win 14 or 15 games, and therefore they start to question. You know, and that happens when, and this happened to Andy, where teams start to pluck your coaches away. And yeah. that is all-encompassing, that Andy's a great head coach, but what made him also great is he had great assistance along the way. He's got one of the best trees possibly, um, you know, in, in terms of yeah. – right? of all time. And you look at Belichick's coaches, when they get plucked, they fail constantly. Andy's coaches are all still in the league. And Andy's a guy that got hired in 1999 and his coaches are still all over this league. Um, So can eventually the staff starts to fall apart. How do you replenish those? And that was the problem with Doug. I, I think we talked about maybe with you, John, was that four win team the Eagles had. Were they a four-win roster? Well, if you remember, their offensive line just was decimated with injuries coupled with the fact that Wentz just completely fell apart. So you had five different offensive linemen. You had a new guy in there every week, and then Wentz was horrendous. But Doug wanted to keep his staff intact, and they wanted him to make changes, and he wasn't willing to do that, so they had an impasse, and they decided to move on, which – You know, in hindsight, who knows? I mean, it's probably best for both of these guys. Are the Eagles in this situation? If Press Taylor is still coaching here and some of the guys that they wanted to keep here. um, So that is where it's going to be interesting for, for, for Nick. How much does he rely on these particular assistants? And when they eventually get plucked, how does he delegate play calling? Does the new coordinator come in and get to call plays? Nick says, I don't need to call plays. I like game planning. I like the preparation of the game week. So he doesn't want to be a a caller. And if he is a play caller, is he even good at it? And is the next guy they hire a good play caller? Shane Steich is a big factor in this. And then John Gannon, if he goes, who takes over the defense and how that all incorporates. So that will be the interesting next phase for Nick Sirianni. I think Julian Love needs to figure out on his own staff Who's calling doing the stuff there that got that team to nine wins? Because you better be shaking that guy's hand instead of taking a backhanded and swiping him.
1: Well, I don't think he's going to be giving credit to anybody because it's a player's league as per Julian Love. And that's why Nick Sirianni shouldn't be. This isn't the NBA.
3: Jody, this isn't the NBA where you have one. Now, Patrick Mahomes can elevate you, but most 53-man rosters in this league are pretty much – on the same plane there might be a guy here that takes you there but most of these teams are kind of in the middle and then preparation game plan execution comes in on game day and that separates the teams that win you know there's not a whole heck of a lot of difference between team 28 and team 14 that made the playoffs coaching much
1: more important than the nfl i think we all agree on that all right I want you both to answer this question. I need John's uh, response here as well. Uh, but, Mike, you first. About one of the guys we you were just talking about, key member of the Eagles staff, Jonathan Gannon. It looks like he's not going to be getting a head coaching position. Shane Steichen's still in the mix for the Colt one, gets his second interview on Saturday. You need a prediction. I don't think he's going to get that job, but at least he's still in the conversation, which Jonathan Gannon isn't. So despite the phenomenal year that the Eagle defense had, it wasn't enough to get Jonathan Gannon a head coaching position. Well, he's got one more game to show his stuff this year, the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes. And he's done it the way he's done it all year long and had, at least in the eyes of some, me, John, uh, Mike, I'll let you chime in and give your Jonathan Gannon estimation as well. And it didn't get him the gig. Should there be any worry that Gannon tries a little too hard in this upcoming game? That he decides, maybe I need to tinker. Maybe I need to show something else if my eventual goal is to get a head coaching job. Should we be worried about that at all for this game against the Chiefs?
3: I wouldn't think so. No, no. Um, I think Gannon, look, he was interviewed by a team that he had some ties with, Houston, twice last year and this year. He had a couple extra nibbles last year that he didn't get this year. If he wants to be a head coach, I don't know that all of a sudden he just starts pulling out 50% blitzing and all these different uh, stunts and looks in this game. I know it's his biggest resume piece that he'll ever have, but I think John Gannon, it's interesting, and I I don't have any problem with John Gannon. I didn't have any criticisms of him. uh, uh, Last year, they just didn't have the talent. I mean, I didn't like the scheme with the talent that they have, uh, and that's one of those things. Do you scheme differently differently? do something that you don't want to do based on your talent, or do you just run your scheme and wait till you get the players for that? I think he kind of could have tinkered some things last year, although they were better in the second half of the year. They did get better with that team. And, you know, did Gannon endear himself to the fans? You guys, have you seen this video of him just basically? Hey,
2: finally did. did I he, said he upped his pandering game. Now he's won everybody over.
3: He's what won, won want everybody him? over, man. Yeah. We're going to bleep and gut this team. And yeah. then the plate goes nuts. And then, you know, but Gannon, you know, this will be a very interesting game for him. But look, this is very, it's almost the same as Jim Schwartz. People didn't like Schwartz towards the end. He was this, that, the, the the sticks defense. The defense won in 2017, the Falcon game. Nick Foles was terrible in that game. Then they dominated the Vikings in that second game. They got the big turnover that turned that whole game around. The defense had dominated for two playoff games to get them to the Super Bowl. And then in the Super Bowl, the game just like the style that game got away from them, and they did not play all that well. But they made the biggest play when they needed the biggest play when it mattered the most by doing what Jim Schwartz said. We're not going to blitz. We're going to get pressure with our four, and they did. This, to me, feels very much similar, where the defense just dominated the two games they played. And this could be a Super Bowl game where – the style of this game is a little bit more up and down and people are going to be complaining. I knew I said, it has all the John Gannon haters are going to say, I knew it was going to be Gannon's fault. That was, he was going to be the reason they lost this particular game. Um, so no, I don't think he's trying to do anything different in this game. Jody to try to impress anybody. I think he's going to do what he normally does. He's going to have his hands full with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, but that won't, uh, it, I'll tell you what, if he tries to do something crazy outside the box, that he does it now. That doesn't mean that he can't do something different for this particular offense. Because, like I said with the Eagles, when you play the Eagles, you're seeing something you've never seen. You're about to get your butt whipped up front, and you can't prepare for that during the course of the 17 game season. You know this goes back to the 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 49ers are the number one rush defense. They're number one. They got that ranking by not playing Philadelphia. You ain't going to be number one if you play that team. And the Eagles are about to face something that they haven't seen all year. No quarterback that they have seen this year is on the level of this guy. And they probably have the best weapon the Eagles have had to deal with all year, Travis Kelsey. So John Gannon better find something a little different if he wants to keep those guys in check.
2: And 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 Mike, good point. With Jim Schwartz, and he has not forgotten that everyone has forgotten how well that defense played against Atlanta and Minnesota. But then they gave up five hundred yards passing, and it's all about, uh, you know, they won the Super Bowl, and some people still complained. Um, and that's when Jim said, "Well, he said it many times. Games have personalities, man. Games yeah. have personalities." And sometimes you're you're in a shootout and you make the big play like Brandon Graham did. Um, and sometimes you're able to dominate. But uh same thing has happened this time around, as you mentioned, completely dominant. He gutted those Eppers. So now he's now he's as popular as he's ever been. But a Patrick Mahomes goes for 380, four touchdowns. And the Eagles still win the game, by the way, because it's a shootout and they still win the game. He's going to be public enemy number one again.
3: Well, during the course of the game, yes, social media will be lighting them up the whole time. I knew this Gannon was the problem. I told you Gannon was a problem as they come back to win again. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a game very similar to that game where it's just back and forth. The two teams are scoring. Mahomes is excellent. Um, and, you know, this goes back to Jody's point. Hurts is going to have to try to keep up with them. Uh, but I don't know. See, and and that's one style. Like last week I said, I think I think the, Cowboy, uh, the 49er game was either going to be a bare-knuckle fight where it was just a, you know, who has the ball and it's a low-scoring game, or the Eagles blow them out.
2: Yeah, if I said they, the same thing. I yeah. believe the same thing in the Super Bowl. Same well, thing. yeah. If
3: the Eagles be... can hold the ball by running the ball and keep the ball away from Mahomes, that can't, kind of takes that style of game out. So, do we think the Eagles are going to go into the biggest game of the year and just run the ball down your throats? Why not? I mean, All right, so hard. then
1: that, that lends me to a question. Good. McMullen, do you know where I'm going? I don't. You should. I If all three of us agree that it might be advantageous for the Eagles to play in front rather than behind, because if you're playing from behind, it means more scoring.
2: You want the ball.
1: The flip of the coin at the beginning of the game. If you're Nick Sirianni and you go, you know what? We're coming out to establish the run we we know we can run it. We San Francisco's a better defense than Kansas, City. not even a safe conversation. And we ran it, we effing gutted them last week. Why can't we do the same again? Give it a football. Well, guess, Nick Siriani goes there.
3: I don't think Kansas City has won the toss once this year. I think I read that the other day. I don't think they've won the coin toss one time all That's year.
2: Impossible. That's
3: possible. I'm pretty sure. Either it's it's a very 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 low. They might have won it once or twice, but I don't think they've won the toss. Yeah, the Eagles few.
2: won uh, fourteen. I think they were fourteen and three as well, winning coin tosses. But they've lost them both in the postseason, and they've taken the ball and scored twice. Yeah. So, Jody, I asked Nick Sirianni your question. Yes, that was the question when Taylor Sirianni became a star. I asked him about taking the football first. And we had a nice little back and forth. And, and Nick said, I knew I'm going to be asked about this for two weeks. And I said, well, I know what you're doing. You're deferring. But I, I asked him, if, if, if is it sometimes better to lose the coin toss because you have to take the football and they've been able to create this tempo and get on the uh, uh, lead? And Shane Steichen, by the way, said, man, it's nice to get the football and set the tone. But they're not taking it. If they win the toss, period. End of sentence. They're not taking it.
3: Yeah. I doubt they would say, we're going to take the ball. Everybody has followed suit. Who started this uh, trend by? Bill
2: Belichick, really. To right. Sandwiched the second and third quarters with wins and uh, with scores. And if you do do that, you're going to win the game. I mean, statistically, it's way up there. So if you're able to play it right, some people call it the fifth quarter the 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 end the two minutes at the end of the half in the uh, the first drive in the second half if you if you handle that right you're in you're in good shape to win a football game
3: now and keep this in mind guys just a little i mentioned this on my show yesterday Andy Reid, Philadelphia. He knows this. He's a he likes to pander a little bit. Andy. He's a he's a closed door pander, right behind the doors. We've heard about how much of a personality yeah, he had.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, Isaiah Pacheco is their running back. He went to Vineland, Vineland High School. Yeah. Vineland High School, right here, about forty minutes from me. Um, does Andy want to let him put on a show? You know, he might
2: be their Boston Scott because touchdown. they
3: don't run the ball a lick. This team, they don't even try half the time. But this Pacheco is a violent runner, man. If you watch, he reminds me of like Roger Craig for the young guys out there. Go watch Roger Craig. The guy's knees are up at his chin all the time. He just never stops. Does Andy do something like you mentioned, Jody? Have a John Gannon uh, out, outer body experience and say, you know what? Those Philly jerks asked me to run the ball for years. You know what I'm going to do? Man, I'll man. run the ball against them to win this That's game with the local kid. I'll get I, the local kid to run the ball against those Philly guys who asked me to run for 14 years.
2: I like that thought, Mike. I hadn't thought of that. I like that because Andy did get killed for not running <laughs> it here.
3: I um I was talking – Joe Valerio was on with me yesterday who does the Believe in the Chiefs podcast. He's a local guy too. He went to Penn. He, he's in the area. Um. And we were talking about this beforehand. He he was saying, you know, Pacheco, he's a really, uh, really tough runner. And I said, you know, Andy got asked to run the ball for 14 years when he was here and he never did. How great would it be if he decided, hmm, maybe I'll run the ball against this team. And by the
2: way, can I just throw in uh, somebody like Isaiah Pacheco is the reason why I don't think Miles Sanders is going to be back here next year. Yeah. That type of player. Because, or get it, you got Kenny Gainwell in
3: your own roster. Are they yeah. already starting to make that phase?
2: Yeah, and and the Eagles have gotten the the sort of juice from Kenny Gainwell. They're going to think you can get a running back in the in the sixth round. Uh, Pacheco, I think, was a seventh round pick. Um, and you know, yeah, you, you you can roll it over and not pay him.
3: He played, by the way. Pacheco played quarterback at Vineland, so watch a little trick play as well.
2: Oh, there we go. Good
1: luck to both of you guys for what you're wishing. I'll say there's a not wishing. Chance. I'm
3: just saying to watch.
1: I'll say there's a better chance that Nick Sirianni says, Give us the football on the coin toss than Andy Reid hands it uh Isaiah Pacheco <laughs> 20 times. Better chance Eagles take the ball than Andy goes, Yeah, we'll run it down the Eagles throw. That's just not happening. Not what and if it if it does. If they lose the game, Andy should be fired. If you got Patrick
2: Mahomes, I'm going to ride
1: Isaiah Pacheco, my seventh-round draft pick, to a Super Bowl win and not use Patrick Mahomes, yeah, the Hall of Fame coach should be fired.
2: (laughs) He has touched it a lot this year, Jody uh, Pacheco um and he's got like
3: 950 combined yards uh and he didn't play all that much early he didn't
2: play early in the season and he's got 170 carries so they have amped up and by the way they use jarek mckinnon in in the passing game a lot because of the receivers um good good pass receiver i know
1: andy likes to try and tell us that short passes are just like runs but they're
3: not they drafted uh Edwards Hilaire in the first round a running back because not because they thought he was this great running back is they wanted to dump it off to him and let him, you know, for an extension of the run game, but doesn't catch the ball as much out of yeah. the backfield. Yeah. That's an area where they, they,
2: they got that clear demarcation between Pacheco yeah. and McKinnon, but he's carried it 22 times in the playoffs. So 11 times per game. Yeah. That's a long way to go to get to 20. Yeah. 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 All
1: right. Not happening anytime soon. All right, uh, Mike, go have lunch with Dad. Appreciate you jumping in with us. Now uh, you're going to uh, tell us ahead of time so everybody can go by and buy you a drink for lunch. Where are you going?
3: No, yeah. you don't
2: want to. You don't want to tell.
3: Do, yeah. Do I want to? Uh, no. This place is packed enough when we go in okay. there. All but right. uh, yeah, so uh, look no, at well, the well,
2: ego uh, on Mike Gill. Everybody, you think everybody's going to come to see you at Mike Gill's show? <laughs> yeah. <on> <laughs> ESPN <laughs> South Jersey. By the way.
7: And now, gambling terms. Snake eyes. Rolling ones with a pair of dice. Double down. Doubling the original bet for one more card. Bad beat. When your strong hand gets beat. Illegal gambling can put you at risk. Protect our communities. Play legit and gamble only where it's legal. Learn more now at playlegitco.com. A message from the Colorado Division of Gaming. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: Tell us about your Eagles podcast. This is a new one.
3: Yeah, I took over the Believe in Eagles pod once the team, uh, the season was uh, over. They reached out and asked me if I wanted to take it over. Believe in Eagles. uh, We do two to three shows a week. uh, YouTube uh, podcast. You can get it wherever the podcasts are. We have really good uh, stuff on there. And uh, yeah, having you know just focusing on the Eagles. I do four hours where most of the show is Eagles, obviously. (laughs) But this is like uh, about twenty to twenty-five minutes. That we're doing there. So they got me working, man. People keep reaching out. I got uh I got more time for more jobs if anybody wants me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Except Friday for lunch. He's gotta go see you Other than that, 20. he's available. His name's Mike Gill. Thank you much for jumping in with us today, Mike. Thanks, Mike. All right, boys. See ya. Mike see Gill ya. here with us on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac. Johnny Mac coming back. Hour to go. Days and go NBC Sports Philly is gonna be part of. Hour number two. A couple other people chiming in on the Eagles slash the Super Bowl that I want to get a reaction from Johnny Mack. Come back, do that next here on Birds 365.
4: Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean
5: Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues the best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrogio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event.
7: Weather
6: forecasting is a team game.
7: We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information.
6: We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather
7: producer, Paul.
6: Say hi, Paul.
7: Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different.
6: That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction.
7: And all of this backed by more than 100 accuweather scientists. It's a team game.
6: And we have the best team in
7: town.
3: Post Game Show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we
8: not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying?
3: And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know who Philly he is. Post Game,
7: now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps.
1: i John McMullen, I'm John McDonald. We are your Mac and Mac 365, guys, as we count down to the Super Bowl. It is a football Friday. Unfortunately, football Sunday is going to entail uh, dodgeball games. Uh, Johnny Mac, you got
2: the... By the way, Saquon Barkley, tremendous, tremendous dodgeball player. Um, saw a video of him. He was like Patches O'Houlihan in his prime for you dodgeball fans. The yeah, that's is that a uh, movie reference?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I was flipping through the channels. I saw that the other day. Couldn't change it fast enough. Um, uh, but, yeah, they're going to have all these goofy competitions. And so uh, There's got to be something else, NBA or something to watch on. I'm, I'm not
2: going to be – Yeah, the Pro Pro Bowl, Bowl. Pro Bowl games are not uh, very exciting to me. Um, i got to no, be it's honest. not
1: even a game anymore. It's just a series of competitions. So uh, even less – exciting than what it used to be and it wasn't exciting before and oh by the way yeah no philadelphia eagles will be in attendance because they're kind of going to be busy and so many guys make it and alternates and, went, and they're not showing up anyway because they're kind of busy playing the super bowl which is much more important uh, so uh, yeah it's a football friday but it's not really because we're not leading into anything this weekend we are leading to the big game Yesterday, Johnny Mac, you caught it on uh, social media while we were on the air. Julian Love of the Giants on Good Morning Football, which is on, against us uh, on the NFL Network, saying uh, Nick Sirianni's doing a good job just staying out of the way, that you or I could coach the Philadelphia Eagles because they're that good a football team. While I'm not happy about what Julian Love said, I think one of the things that gets under said, understated, which is the same thing with Michael Parsons, when he says – they both said uh, similar things about uh, the Eagles as a team being that good, that Hurts MVP, well, maybe not because they're that good. Sirianni being a good – well, maybe not because the team's that good. We do realize that it's a compliment that he's paying to the team, right? That the uh, team well, that's is what so I good. said.
2: Why do just everybody race – Julian Love said the Eagles were so good, the talent was so good. Why don't people focus on that? That's Now, I point. disagree with Julian Love and the coach, you know, I, I used to have this discussion with Bill Jackson, with people in the NBA, number one, who always had the best roster cause he was able, you know, his time with Michael Jordan, then he got the big reputation. Then he got to cherry pick and he went to the best team and he wants a bunch more titles. Now, if you were telling me in X's and it's different, obviously uh, football coaching, we both agree is more important. But if you wanted me to go to an X's and O's coach who's going to draw up a game-winning play, I'm not taking Phil Jackson. But um, if you want somebody to manage egos and personalities, I'm taking Phil Jackson. There's a lot of things to coaching. Um, And not everybody can do what Nick Sirianni has done with this team. Um, But, yeah, at the end of the day, Julian Love complimented the talent of the Eagles. Uh, not, not just complimented, uh, really put it over in pro wrestling terms. So, yeah, people kind of miss that part. They, it, they
1: it just seems... cruise right. How dare they! Uh, disrespect of Nick Sirianni. Well, yeah, there's a little disrespect in there, but you realize he's also saying the team is that good. So, here's how I would look at it if I were a giant fan, giant fans probably go, Ah, oh, stuck into Sirianni, good to them, but you can say the exact same flip thing. Well, wait a minute. Aren't you saying the Eagles are that much better than us? And we just get our (laughs) rear ends kicked by the Eagles by 30 some point. You move right past that part. Right. They don't acknowledge that. It's just, it's taking a shot. Well,
2: Micah Parsons got in trouble for the same thing. He was talking about how good Johnson. Yeah. Um, and Cowboys fans got upset by him. I, you know, it's funny because those old school rivalries in a lot of ways. It is disappointing. Um, because there were some real rivalries and dislike. And I said it, I think I said it Giants week. The Giants love the Eagles and vice versa. You know, Sirianni's so close to Brian Dayball. And, you know, that was a big, you know, he gives Brian Dayball credit for giving him his first position coach job. And he was really important piece of Nick Sirianni's career. Loves the guy, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts loves him from their time together at Alabama. Um, on and on and on, that you see the respect of, of, of uh, Jason Kelsey and Dexter Lawrence. And it goes, you know, both ways back and forth. It's not, you know, I compared it again. I go back to the NBA. You had, you know, the old school days, which were up to, you know, the Sixers and Celtics for older Philadelphia fans. Those two teams hated each other. You have the famous Julius Erving, Uh, punching Larry Bird, strangling him. Um, And then he went forward in the NBA, and it was Magic Johnson giving Isaiah Thomas a a kiss at midcourt before the start of the NBA Finals. Kiss on the cheek. Um, That's where you are in the NFL. Everybody's jersey swapping. Everybody loves everybody. All the Alabama guys love the Alabama guys. Now, I talked about A.J. Brown and Willie Gay. They're really close. Fans have trouble with that. They have trouble with that.
1: Well, one I think they will probably accept is the fact that Jason Kelsey is going to have a hug for a guy in Kansas City Red in the game on Sunday. Win, lose, or draw at the end. He'll probably cut him some slack since it is actually his brother. Uh, which, again, doing some research for the show today on the MVP stuff and – the fact that i was surprised that quarterbacks don't win it as often as they do they win it more than 50 percent of the time but i thought it'd be more like 70 it's only 55. john mcmahon named the last tight end to win the mvp in the super bowl
2: oh um tight end yeah It is a trick
1: question because the tight end nobody, has never nobody. won the Super Bowl in the history.
2: Yeah. Of I was the thinking, games. you know, there's some big, great, you know, the first tight end performance I think about it in the postseason is Kellen Winslow Sr. against the Dolphins, but obviously that's not the Super Bowl. You know, he would have been the MVP. Yeah, for that
1: day surely was the yeah. MVP.
2: Um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. You, you would think somewhere along the line, you know maybe gronk or or somebody like that would have won one, but uh yeah. never
1: happened, and the third choice after Holmes after Hertz Mahomes, the third choice is Kelsey Mr. Kelsey of Kansas City, and I will tell you that tight ends are not usually third yeah Gronk might have been the third choice one of those years when the Patriots were in there, but Um, It has never happened before in the history of the National Football League. So that's a key element of this game. The Eagles are going to have to be able to stop him. uh, We brought it up, Mike Gill, earlier. Eagles in the middle against him. You're right, because he's Kelsey. Not because the Eagles are weak there or it's a a hole in the Eagles defense. No, there's just no team in the National Football League that you would say, wow, they match up well against Kelsey. They can keep him in check. If the Eagles can't, who can? Who, who is better suited to stop a tight end than the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL this year?
2: Nobody. Nobody. Nobody, you know. Uh, baby, San Francisco, you just saw it. It's the same thing with San Francisco. Like, if San Francisco can't stop the Eagles, you know, who can? That's the best defense, right? Um, Steve Spagnolo, the Chiefs have some good players, but um, – I don't like their chances. Yeah. Sometimes you got to tip your cap to the other team and say, oh, Travis Kelsey's really good. Really good. Oh, Chris (laughs) Jones is really good. Oh, Uh, Patrick Mahomes is really good. Ed Kratz and I did our top 15 players in the Super Bowl. I wanted to go one, two, three, Chiefs. I only went one, two, and I put, uh, I think I put Lane ahead of uh, um, Travis. Oh, but really? you could have went one. You had two, Chris three.
1: Jones number two?
2: Yeah, Chris Jones. Oof, mm-hmm. oof. I mean, that guy is just, he he's had a tremendous, tremendous year. But people are going to get upset by that. But the Chiefs are very top-heavy. Like, their they're superstar players are phenomenal. But then it falls off. It falls off dramatically. Whereas the Eagles are just good everywhere. Good, 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 good. So they have the far deeper team. But if you're honest with yourself, look, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Doesn't mean Jalen Hurts isn't good, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes. uh, Javon Hargrave, tremendous, tremendous year. He's not Chris Jones. Dallas Goddard, nobody loves Dallas Goddard more than me. He's not Travis Kelsey. It's not an insult when you say these things. And but then as you go down the roster, the Eagles are take over and take over pretty quickly.
1: Agreed. The uh, the balance of the total rosters is is not in place. The Eagles certainly have an advantage, and that's probably uh, a big reason why they're a point and a half to two point favorite in this game. All right, one thing away from the Super Bowl, but kind of eagle related. I didn't want to get your take on. Saw this this morning. Was pretty surprised by it. Ex Eagle player and coach Deuce Staley leaving Detroit to join Frank Reich's staff in Carolina. And I guess Deuce and Frank have a pretty good relationship, and that's the reason that he's leaving. I thought he was doing quite well in Detroit. Thank you very much with the improved Lions and playing right up until the last week of the season and could have made the playoffs after that. He got off to that horrendous start and they had one of the best offenses in the national football league for the year. And that's uh, deuces purview. Uh, I watched hard knocks. I always get sucked into hard knocks every single August and his relationship with Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator that, that they look like brothers to me you get any backstory you hear anything around the league as to why deuce would be leaving to to go to carolina that 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 really did surprise me when i read that this morning
2: yeah i think it, it it has to do really with his personal life i mean deuce is from um uh south carolina um and his mother is dealing with some health issues so he wanted to be closer to home um and, you know, Frank happened to get the Carolina job, and obviously those two are close. So he's given an opportunity. Um, and Detroit, to their credit, let him out of his deal. I guess he had another year left on his contract. Uh, so it was mainly personal, um, not that he had a a balling out with, with Detroit. Detroit was very happy with him. He was very happy with Detroit, but he just wanted to be closer to his uh, – to his mother. All
1: right. Well, and that makes a lot of sense because I thought he had a damn successful year with the Lions. Uh, my expectations were they were going to stink again, even though they were entertaining on hard knocks and almost make your root for them. I thought they were going to have a uh, poor season. And sure enough, they got off to that lousy start. and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah good. Uh, don't don't fall for the hard knocks. thing again, Jody Mack. But damn, they played well in the second half of the season. Uh, Deuce, good dude. So, rooting for him down in uh, Carolina. All right, he's Johnny Mac. I'm Jody Mac. You got Mac and here on Birds 365. Up next, Dave Zangaro, NBC Sports Philly does a great job for that outlet breaking down the birds. He's going to do it for us here on Birds 365 next.
5: Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrogio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event.
6: Weather forecasting is a team game.
7: We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information.
6: We have a team of five experienced
7: meteorologists
6: and a specialized
7: weather producer, Paul.
6: Say hi, Paul.
7: Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different.
6: That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction.
7: And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game.
6: And we have the best.
1: here on birds 365 thanks for streaming in with mac and mac we add to the mix another insightful individual well john's insightful i just kind of uh, moved the ball <laughs> around uh we'll get more out of days and garrow uh, for the next 20 25 minutes than you will out of me that's for damn sure dz how you be
9: i'm good guys how are you uh
2: doing well dave i assume you had this trip booked uh back in
9: uh july Late July, <laughs> not quite that long ago. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, when we were in Arizona during the year. I took a good look around. Uh, just put it in. The got back used of my to line. the lay of the land. Yeah, yeah a little bit.
2: Yeah. When and, did you realize this team was really, really good and say oh, they got a shot?
9: I mean, I think I realized the roster was really good in training camp, but you don't let yourself get there at that yeah. point. I mean, you looked around and you thought. I remember thinking in training camp, like I haven't covered a team without a glaring weakness somewhere. And this team just didn't have a glaring weakness. Now at the time we didn't know Jalen hurts was going to take the step that he took. And that was a big, it's funny. Like he answered that question so quickly this year, but it was a question coming. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. um, How good was he going to be? We all thought he was going to get better, but I don't know if anyone saw this type of jump coming. Once you saw him make that kind of jump and you saw them, You know, once you're like six and oh, you start thinking, okay, this team's probably pretty good. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, it's once you realize they have the chance to get the one seed, then it's there's such an advantage to that now. So if if you have an opportunity to do that, and once they had, you know, three quarters of the way through the season, it looks like they're going to get the number one seed. Then you start saying, okay, I mean, if they get the one seed, it's going to be really hard for any team to come to failure and beat them. And and that's kind of what happened.
1: Yeah, and I love the people say, so, Oh, the one seed isn't that important. Green Bay and Tennessee mm-hmm. got picked off right away. Left. Hey, check the history. Being the one seed definitely helps. And we've got two one seeds left standing in the Super Bowl. Uh so yeah, it was kind of a key. But since you went to uh camp, well with one week to go in camp, it was gonna be Jakowatsky tart. As the story, no, no it
2: wasn't, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, they didn't uh, have that. Well, an then answer. tell me, tell me who is going to be Johnny Mack? It was going to be Anthony Harris. Okay, um, yeah, Tchaikovsky was not and, in the and conversation. Will Anthony
1: Harris get a ring since he's back on the practice squad? Oh, sure. If they win yeah. the Super Bowl,
2: yeah, he'll get a ring. They but how big rings. was that? Uh, yeah, how big was that uh, trade for CJ Gardner Johnson?
9: It was huge. Um, Gigantic. Yeah, because at the time, like Reed Blankenship has ended up playing really well. Yeah. At the time, we had no idea he was going to do that. He had a good camp, but you never think that it's going to translate. So getting another player on the back end, because if you look at the and still to this day, if you look at this defense, like the weaknesses in inside in the secondary and with the linebackers who were pretty good too. He's like yeah. you're trying to find a weakness at this point. But uh coming into camp, you you or you wondered about the safety position. It was like you're right. That was the one glaring weakness. But once they got CJ, I knew there would be some growing pains because he was changing positions. But if you watched him in New Orleans, he had all the prerequisite abilities to play safety. And, and he started off slow. I mean, there were moments early on. and He played, what, like 10 days after the trade? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it was kind of a learn-on-the-fly thing with him. But I thought he handled it really well. I thought the defense handled it well. Uh, they made it digestible for him, and then uh, we saw his playmaking ability. You know, all those interceptions he had weren't necessarily forced by him, but he made the plays on the back end, and that matters too. So um, I-, I thought he he really changed this defense. And then once you know, Reed ended up being such a pleasant surprise, playing as well as he did, you feel pretty good about him. And now you have both safeties about to be free agents. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but yeah. Uh, not crazy to think Reed Blankenship could be a starter next year,
2: Middle Tennessee State. Uh, safety factory, Dave Zingaro <laughs> with Kevin Bayard and Reed Blankenship. Yeah, it, pretty amazing. Uh, the and and that brings up Howie's role in all this. It's been a magical season for him. If you go all the way back. Jody and I have been talking about this. The Eagles tried to trade for Calvin Ridley. If that comes through and he isn't on his app betting on whatever he was betting on, A.J. Brown's not here. Christian Kirk, if Jacksonville doesn't buy uh, overpay him, he might be here. No A.J. Brown. Go all the way back even farther. The Eagles were trying to convince, Russell Wilson, you think about coming here? Uh, Deshaun Watson, maybe? Think about the Eagles? They weren't sure about Jalen Hurts. So you have to have some luck involved and, you know, people get upset that you don't make immediate moves, but all of a sudden the failure to get one of those receivers turns into A.J. Brown, Um, Hassan Reddick. I mean, what a free agent signing. He's already one of the best free agent signings in Eagles history. He's right there with Malcolm and, and, and your buddy, Brandon Brooks. Um, He's, he's been that impactful. Um, who who's responsible? Who's more responsible, the coaching staff or Howie Roseman, for this person? I bring this up because of Julian Love and his comments.
9: Yeah, I mean, look, it's I, I think those comments are funny because Nick's done a really good job. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's one thing to have talent; it's another to make it all work for you and to make all that talent buy into what you're trying to do. Uh, if you're asking me between Howie and Nick, I I mean Howie put this team together. And there was some luck involved, sure, but uh, I don't think another GM has the second move ready better than Howie Roseman. That meaning, you know, like, the first thing he tries doesn't work. He's ready with that plan. I don't know how many GMs pull off that trade for AJ Brown. Um, But he's always willing to just find ways to acquire talent. And the CJ trade, like, uh, we know he's trade happy and some of them don't work out. You know, Robert Quinn certainly has not worked out, but um, I, I, that's something I appreciate about Howie is that he's always willing to find ways to get guys, whether that's trading for A.J. Brown, somehow making it work out that you get James Bradbury as a free yeah. agent in, in May. I, there's some luck involved, sure, but you have to give him some credit too because um, I think some of it's foresight and I think some of it's just willingness to pull the trigger when those moves are there. When sometimes other GMs just won't do it, uh, there's no trade too big or small for Howie. Uh, and it makes it fun to follow the team because uh, and he'll tell you all the time. And people were groaning here in oh, yeah. mid March. Oh, yeah. Just Hassan Reddick. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a good lesson to remember going forward because they added nobody will remember. Dave. They added AJ nobody. Brown, CJ Gardner Johnson, yeah. James Bradbury well after the start of free agency. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially with this GM, you have to remember that. As he says, the talent acquisition phase never ends.
1: That's a good way to look at it. Uh, I did catch the re-air of Julian Love on the Good Morning Football yesterday. My follow-up question would have been, oh, do you feel the same way about your coach, Brian Dable, that it's a player's league? That oh, I mean, I... by
9: the way, they, they kind of go to them in the saying that. <laughs> yeah, it's not like he uh, – They he show him the video and they go, what yeah. do you think about this? <laughs> no, what do you really think about this? Yeah. Yeah, but and by he, the way, he, he
1: went there on his own that Nick Sirianni was being carried by his players. He could have just stopped it. Yeah, I don't think coaches should act like that. He chose to continue the conversation a little bit further. And I'm just noting that I'm doubting he would say the same thing about Brian Dable. It's very easy to take that shot at somebody else's coach. Dare you to take that shot at your own coach. I don't think he was going to go there. All right, your comparison between Howie and Sirianni, certainly a characteristic they have in common aggressiveness who's more aggressive howie or nick
9: um i don't know how to answer that because it's it's like it's so different um i i think yeah i i don't i can't answer that because it's like it's totally it's like it's really it's not apples to oranges it's apples the doorknobs it's okay it doesn't make it's not it doesn't compute but uh, I can tell you, like that's what the organization wants. The organization wants aggressive mindsets, mm-hmm. uh, and that's Jeffrey Lurie. It's it is like he he sets the tone for the rest of the organization. And I'm not saying that Howie or Nick wouldn't be aggressive without him, but there's a pretty clear directive from the very highest levels of this organization that we're an aggressive organization. We're going to do some things that might be unpopular, that might buck trends, and we're okay with that because we're convicted in what we're doing and we have reasons why we're doing it. It doesn't mean it's always going to work out, but you can go from, you know, the, the the roster building exercise, like this is where we're going to be aggressive for these types of players. And then it also goes onto the football field. Like we're going to go for it on fourth down because our data says it makes more sense. We have the players to get it done. So uh, it's an aggressive mindset throughout the organization, but it's not reckless. And I think that's, a key that a lot of people miss it. They're aggressive with uh, conviction because they've done the the research and they've done the work to understand why they should be aggressive. Dave, you bring up an interesting point, you know,
2: maybe we should, we say Howie versus Nick, not you, but me, maybe we should look upward because I, I think it was Joe Banner, but if it wasn't, uh, I'll try to find out who, but there was a recent, sort of talking about GMs in the NFL, talking about Howie Roseman, Howie has the luxury to make mistakes that other people don't because they're always GMing for their job, so to speak. Um, and they can't go outside of the box. Very volatile industry, obviously. And you make a couple mistakes and you're out on the street. Jeffrey's been very loyal to Howie Roseman. I think rightfully so. He's, one of the best GMs in football, but got to have an owner willing to get through those
9: hiccups when they, when they come about. Yeah. Ownership matters. And, and Jeffrey's been a very good owner. Um, it, there's something to be said for patients. Uh, I, I think a lot of organizations aren't patient, whether it's with the head coach, the GM or the young quarterback, And there's something to be said for it. And it can't be blind patience. It can't be, I like this guy, so I'm going to give him as much time as he wants. Like, that's not wise. But if you believe, like, he believes in Howie Roseman. And uh, I don't think that's blind faith. I think at times he's blinded a little bit by um, Howie's demeanor. And I think Howie really knows how to speak Jeffrey's language. So I think that's helped him at times during his career, but I mean, how he backs it up too. It's uh, what yeah. he's done here is pretty impressive. And uh, it the Eagles should be a case study for a lot of organizations in the league. And I'm not saying it's easy, but uh, there are things that they've done better than other organizations that some places could learn from if they weren't so stubborn and kind of set in their ways. Uh, you watch some of these organizations and it's like, they, they don't know what they're doing. They yeah. really don't. I mean, and I'm not saying Jeffrey knows what he's doing all the time because there have been hiccups, but for the most part, they seem to kind of get it.
1: Along those lines, Dave, uh, I said this here yesterday on the show, see if you agree or disagree. We know it's at stake next Sunday. That would be Super Bowl championship, sack one in five years. But also the gold standard moniker of the National Football League. I think the winner of this game gets to claim that title. If Kansas City wins five straight uh, championship appearances, two Super Bowl wins, Mahomes and Andy Reid, it's theirs. No questions asked. But if the Eagles win, I think Jeff Laurie can finally claim the gold standard moniker of the National Football League. Agree or disagree?
9: No, I'm not there yet. Um, because I mean, they missed the playoffs two years ago. Last year, they snuck in and got walloped in the the wild card round. So i I don't think I don't even think he would claim it right now. I, then, I think then need, who
1: would you give it to? Uh, the Chiefs. If the Eagles win this game, you would not put them ahead of the Chiefs.
9: No, when you're talking about organizational stability, and like the the Chiefs are in territory where they're just in big games every year. And the Eagles aren't in big games every year. Not yet, at least. I mean, they, they were in a wild card game that they got smoked in last year. And that's not a bad thing. They were building toward this. Uh, but this is like the beginning point for that if they're gonna be the gold standard, which I you know, it's kind of a yeah, that, that, term that doesn't mean read. anything. Yeah. But like if they're gonna be that gold standard, I, I think it you have to be playing in champ like conference championship games year after year. Uh, I think that's what Jeffrey meant when he said it all those years ago is like we want to be literally like legitimate contenders every year. And they have not been legitimate contenders every year. So this could be the start of that, but I I don't think it's them reaching that point.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about somebody who is a legitimate contender every year. Uh, Andy and the chiefs, um, as Jody mentioned, five straight championship games, three out of four super bowls. Um, we know he's the first battle Hall of Famer. Uh, but when he was here, I, I say this all the time, Dave, and I want to get your opinion on it. I, I still think everything the Eagles do from a football perspective, they were essentially taught by Andy Reid, his, his foundation. Not that he's responsible for this success. He's been gone for a long time. But we hear when when Howie drafted Cam Jurgens, luxury pick at the second round. Everybody wanted Nickovey Dean. They got them both. What it, Howie said, "Hey, if they're even, I'm taking the offensive lineman or the defensive lineman." Kind of got taught that by Andy Reid, didn't he? This whole football philosophy in Philadelphia,
9: it's really Andy Reid's, isn't it? It is building in the trenches, and it's it's really funny. Uh, I wrote about this last week that in this league where you know, Nick won't tell us if the long snapper has a a jammed finger for competitive (laughs) advantage, the Eagles broadcast to the world that this is their organizational building philosophy. Yeah. I mean, they don't try to hide it. They tell everyone, this is why we think we're good. And this is what we're going to prioritize this. It's so kind of comical to me that, you know, they're so secretive about some things. And then, I mean, they'll tell anyone who listens that they build through the trenches and they're proud of it. Uh, I guess it's harder to hide that it's like, it's pretty obvious. That's what yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, and it, it works for them. And the, I mean, the craziest thing is the three Andy Reid players are still on this team and playing at a high level. I, you know, I, I don't think anyone saw that coming when Andy left in 2012, but, uh, but yeah, the, I mean, his legacy goes beyond just those individual players. It, it became a philosophy of the organization. And then it, it continued when Jeff Statlin arrived in 2013 after Andy left. Um, it's really funny that you know Stout and Andy weren't here at the same time because it's like they're two of the most important people in terms of how this team builds, uh, and they there was no overlap. I mean, Chip brought Stout yeah. here, but um, yeah, it's it's right there. They 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 don't hide it. They build through the trenches. They'll spend money in the trenches, and I, I it's a wise move because. You feel, you know, I do matchups. I write matchups every week for every game, and you go into it and you say, well, I mean, they're going to win in the trenches, and if they win in the trenches, they have a, they at least have a shot to win the game. I'm yeah. not saying they're going to win the game, but even in the Super Bowl, they have a chance to win this game because I think they're going to win both matchups in the trenches, and it's not going to be as lopsided as it's been in some other games. But because the, the guy who taught them that philosophy is coaching in yeah. Kansas City, and they have pretty good lines too. But the Eagles are better.
1: All right, Dave, back to the magnitude of this game. Uh, At some point during the year, we all realized the Eagles are going to be real good. So we started using the phrase, the Super Bowl window. And the window is open, and they got to climb to it this week and win it. Because according to Jerry Jones, they are all in on this season. And (laughs) afterwards, they're following right in that Rams' footsteps of going immediately backwards. A little sour grapes out of Jerry Jones yesterday. What the hell is he talking about?
9: Yeah, I don't know if he was paying attention. Uh, Eagles might have the the 10th pick in the, in the draft and the, the 31st or 32nd pick. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, they haven't mortgaged the future. Now, this offseason is going to be tricky because you're going to try to pay Jalen, and then you have all these free agents come and do, and you're probably not going to be able to sign all of them. But, uh, you know, they're not in a bad spot. <laughs> they're really not especially if you have the quarterback and they have the quarterback. So uh, it, the, the building becomes different, like in terms of like salary cap allocation, when you have the quarterback getting paid a ton, but it'll be backloaded too. So it's not like it's going to inhibit them immediately, you know, in four years or three or four years when the big money on that next deal starts to come in, then it gets trickier. But by then, Presumably, the salary cap keeps rising. That's why you backload deals in the first place. And, and how he's so good at at structuring those contracts like that. The rest of the league has taken note of that and they've followed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> buddy. You look at Eagles contracts and you look around the league and you go, "Oh yeah, they're they're catching on now." There's some dummy years added to these contracts because they figured out that loophole. Um, but how he's always on the the cutting edge of that. It's not going to be easy to to do it, but the window's open as long as he's the GM and they have Jalen as a quarterback and things can change. We've seen that here before. We thought we had the quarterback once before, right? And it didn't work out, but um, that can't stop you from just believing in Jalen, believing that you're going to pay him and you're going to build around him. And I, there's always going to be questions about will his play style, allow him to stay healthy. What's the, what's the shelf life on a quarterback who plays with that style. I can't answer those questions, but you got to try to win while you have them and they have them.
2: Yeah. I I thought it was a tortured comparison for the simple reason that Matthew Stafford's a veteran quarterback at the end of his career, paid a lot. Jalen Hurts is 24, uh, hasn't gotten to a second deal. Now I brought up Joe Banner before. I'm going to bring him up again, Dave. He did something on the 33rd team this week where he said he he put the number at 47 to 52 million. Average annual value for Jalen Hurts on a possible extension. Now you bring up, and and he's already done this. How he's done this with AJ Brown, the the big money doesn't kick in till the third year because AJ had that final year on his rookie deal. Um, he's going to do the same thing with Jalen Hurts, so the window is going to stay open for a little bit, but at some point when you're paying the quarterback. Let's say forty-seven, the low end of that spectrum, you're going to have to start building the roster a different way. And we saw it with
9: Russell Wilson, right? I mean, that's just how it works. Yeah, I mean, that's where the draft comes into play, and you're trying to get good, cheap players. And so I, th- I think we started to see that, you know, maybe not on purpose, but with this past draft where you get Jordan Davis and you get Cam Jurgens because. In a year, maybe you don't have Fletcher Cox. Maybe you don't have Jason Kelsey pulling in, what, 14 mil a year. What's Jason at, like 13, whatever yeah. he's at. So, I mean, those are big chunks. They're not like – they're not the big piece of the pie, which is going to be Jalen, but there are these other chunks they have to figure out. Um, they have two more first-round picks coming this year. you got to try to land impact players at positions where you're not going to want to pay veterans. So – Say you let James Bradbury walk. This team has not drafted corners in early rounds recently. Might be time to do that. Might be time to try to find your sauce gardener, which I don't know if those guys grow on trees, but might be time to try to find a cheap compliment to Darius Slay, who has a big deal. Um, Might be time to find another defensive tackle or defensive end who won't be getting paid a ton of money. Um, That's where the draft really comes into play. All right. uh,
1: Don't want to look at the Eagles' future positional needs at 2023 until we get through 2022 at running back. They've had a nice run here these last couple of weeks, playoff weeks. And all three running backs have contributed, gotten the job done. I'm a Miles Sanders guy, and I know that it's trending toward Miles not going to be here. But if he has a big Super Bowl, maybe that changes it. How are they going to deploy their running backs? Do you even want to take a guess ahead of time? Will it be dictated by how the game's going? What do you think their game plan is to run the football coming into the Super Bowl? And who's going to be getting it the most?
9: Yeah, I mean, I think Miles is still their number one back. I I think the knee injury has hampered him a little bit. But you have one game left. So uh, you kind of empty the tank there. And and Kenny's going to – Kenny's role – He's getting a little bit more, but it really hasn't changed. I mean, he's still third down. They've just been blowing out people. Yeah.
2: Um, Uh, I mean, the second half, I kind of, what does it matter what they did in the
9: second half? They were trying to get to the end of the game, right? In both games. And I think that's why we didn't see Miles a ton in these second halves. So, uh, Kenny's still their their third down guy. He's still the two minute guy. Uh, He's played great. And I think he will have a a good role in the Super Bowl. I, I think he's the guy that you mix in. Boston might be left out a little bit. Um, Maybe get him in the red zone. He's so good down uh, in those tight areas. But I think for the most part, it's going to be Miles and then Kenny spelling him. Uh, I'm curious to see what the game plan looks like in the Super Bowl. Uh, There are different schools of thought here because I think he can throw on their corners or young, young, young corners. But the Eagles can run the football. They can run the football against anyone. And they did that against San Francisco. And there's a school of thought that, yeah, if we're running the football and we're going on these long drives, 15s on the sideline. And uh, if you can limit his possessions, you're in theory, limiting his opportunity to score points. So, um, the, I think we'll see a balanced team, but I also think it's going to kind of be dictated by what's working once they get out there. All right, Shane, uh,
2: Shane, I called you Shane. <laughs> I want you to put on your Shane Steichen hat is where it was going, Dave. Um, besides getting the Carolina job on Saturday what do you what do you want to do? What do you want to call? Well how do you want to attack this Kansas City defense if you were in charge, what do you go because I think people have been waiting for the passing game waiting for the passing game waiting for the passing game. I don't even think necessarily it's been they don't want to throw the ball or Jalen's shoulder I think it's been these are blowouts so you know, Get the heck out. Just run the football. Get to the end of the game. Get out as healthy as possible. Do you want to start throwing the ball against this team?
9: Yeah, uh, because I think you're going to need to score points. Uh, and, and you, you know, that's not the way he should look at it. That's why I'm looking at it. Like, you need points. <laughs> you're going to need points because you're going to – the other team is going to score points. You're going to – as good as you think your defense is, they're, they're going to they're put a They're not
2: going to app and gut them? Dave, <laughs> Jonathan Gannon finally got uh, popular with the fan base. They're not going to happen. He should em. have
9: done that a few years ago. Yeah, he
2: should have done it day one. <laughs> he would have won them over.
9: Yeah, it's funny. So yesterday, uh, I hadn't seen it, and he, he, we were shooting something, and he walked out, and someone made mention of it. And I was like, what are they talking about? And someone sent it to me. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's different. Uh, it's like I, Well, I mean, I, I think you can throw on this team. Um, their their corners are so young. Lejarius needs okay. He's their best corner. Uh, he might travel with AJ Brown. I you still feel pretty good about AJ Brown yeah. against Lejarius yeah. Need. Uh, the rest of their corners are rookies. You can throw on them, uh, but running them on them can also be a way to neutralize Chris Jones a little bit. Uh, and he's really where I start if I'm offensively game planning you got to know where he is on every play. He's He's a a Man, he's a good player. Man, he's a good player. Yeah, as good as Hassan reddick has been, I can make an argument that Chris Jones is the best defensive player in this game. Um, He's he's been wrecking every snap. Uh, And the Eagles have a great offensive line, but uh, Landon Dickerson's the guy who's probably going to see him the most, and Landon has that hyperextended elbow. Yeah. If you're taking on Chris Jones, you don't want to be less than 100%. (laughs) And I, I'm also curious to see if they try that he plays edge sometimes. Like, yeah. will they try to put him out on Lane Johnson, who we know the bull rush is his trouble spot right now, taking on bull rushes. Taking on a bull rush from Chris Jones is about as hard as it gets in this league. So I'd imagine we'll see them test him pretty early too. All right, David Gonzalez, this will be
1: telling. I'm going to set an o- under over for you and we will then figure out whether you think the Eagles are going to win the game or not, or at least I am. Probably not for everybody else. Um, 59 yards. Over, under, rushing yards for Jalen Hurts in the game.
9: Over. Mm -hmm.
1: If that's the case, Eagles win the game, right?
9: I think so, and that's not like design runs. That's everything. So, Any, uh, yeah. Any yeah. running place. Uh, yeah. I I think in a game like this, there are going to be moments where he just takes off. And I don't know if that's good or bad, uh, but I, I could see there being moments where he takes off and moves his sticks. Uh, ideally, you want to find a good blend of that, and he's done a really good job of that this year. Like Last year was just nothing's there, head down, run. This year it's been nothing's there, uh, wait for it. Like, I, I can buy some time, I can look around, so there needs to be a good mixture. Um, but I, I think Spags is going to try to try to heat him up a little bit. Uh, and and Jalen's <laughs> best answer to that sometimes is just get the heck out of there,
2: yeah. Um, yeah, I think that would be a good uh, foreshadowing for the build up Eagles if Jalen Hurts gets that much on the ground. Uh, Dave Zangaro at the Zangaro NBCS. Read him at NBCSports.com backslash Philadelphia. Um, you're heading out over the weekend, Dave. Uh, who's going to win the football game?
9: Uh, I, I'm leaning toward the Eagles, but very slightly right now. Uh, and I could change it. I, uh, this is a really good team. I think the Eagles are the better balanced team. I think they have more good players, (laughs) you know, they're putting this as simple as possible. Like they have a better roster. They have more good players than the Chiefs. I agree. I was doing the
2: top 15 players in this game, Dave, real quick. Mm -hmm. Kansas City's very top-heavy. I considered putting Mahomes one, Jones two, Kelsey three. I ended up putting Lane ahead of uh, uh, Kelsey. They're very top-heavy, but then it becomes Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. Pretty much – all yeah. the way down, just a deeper, more well
9: rounded team. They are 15 scares the heck out of me.
2: Yeah,
9: yeah, he's, Fair a good, he's a pretty good player. Uh, Dave Zingaro, thank you very much for
1: jumping in with <laughs> us today. Safe, we'll be checking out you, the podcast, Ruben, uh, and reading everything on NBC Sports Philly. Have a safe flight out to Arizona.
9: Thanks, guys. Thanks, Our Dave.
1: Pleasure. That is Dave Zingaro from NBC Sports Philly. By
2: All the right, way, so, I think I said, uh, I was stumbling around with uh, Shane Steichen. and he's going for the Indianapolis job. I think I said, "Carolina." Carolina. Carolina's and already you were got. Thinking conquered.
1: about yeah. the Staley question yeah. that I asked you from previously. Um, I put it to you, John McMullen: If Jalen Hurts rushes for sixty yards, can the Eagles lose the game?
2: Yes, only because you know Patrick Mahomes, like Dave said, fifteen. Yeah, me. I mean, uh, yeah, this this guy's a little bit different. I I, I compared it to a home. run. You know, if you got the best home run hitter and he's hot, all of a sudden everything is thrown out. You know, all the typical metrics are thrown out if he has one of those games. Um, so yes, but it would be a very good sign if he was over. What'd you have, 59? Yeah. If he's over, that's a very good sign. I would say that.
1: If he rushes for 60, I really like the Eagles' chances because I think he's going to throw. He had not thrown for 200 yards yet here in the postseason. I believe the Eagles are going to throw it more after having two really good running back running games. I don't think it's going to be as big a factor in the Super Bowl. I think it'll be a little bit more uh, drop back stuff with Jalen either throwing it or pulling it down and running it. And if he makes some chunk plays with his legs, that could be the difference in a game. All right, Jody Mac, Johnny Mac, the Mac and Mac guys coming back to put a bow on this show.
4: Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to ocean.
5: Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrogio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event.
7: Weather
6: forecasting is a team game.
7: We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information.
6: We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather
7: producer, Paul.
6: Say hi, Paul.
7: Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different.
6: That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all
7: of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game.
6: And we have the best team in town.
3: Post Game Show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we
8: not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying?
7: And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know who Philly is. Post Game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps.
5: All right, Johnny
1: Max, we've only got a couple of minutes left. We'll wrap up this week and then next week will be the lead up to Super Bowl 57 between the Eagles and Chiefs. Are you an Alexa guy?
2: Um, I do have uh, Alexa but I don't use it that much. But yeah. I have it. Every once in a while. I don't know why I don't use it more. But it's I do a, have it. Same
1: thing. Got it here in the house. My wife uses it.
2: I don't. And I don't do
1: the Siri thing on the phone either. I will talk into my TV remote control. Uh, I have massive See, I never
2: do that either. You don't do
1: that? I do that. Uh, And my daughter was just home last weekend and she got a kick out of it. I mute the TV. And then (laughs) then I talk into it and she goes, you know, you don't have to do that, right? You've got it right in front of your face. I said, well, I don't want the... Remote to get confused by hearing the TV in the background while I'm making my commands, which is funny but stupid. Um, but I don't use Alexa or Siri. My buddy uh, Jeff Knox from Inside the Eagles asked Alexa who was going to win the Super Bowl.
2: And, and I didn't know
1: Alexa would even give an answer. Oh, she? yeah.
2: I, I do know she gives answers to stuff like that. I do know that.
1: And she did say because of their defense not the offense the eagles defense the eagles will win super bowl 57 there we said, go and uh... fly eagles fly so not only is alexa giving out the eagles as a winner she's doing so with some obnoxiousness by telling you ahead of time it's fly eagles fly not just the, the computer says, the numbers say, the analytics say, oh, no, Alexa's rooting for the Eagles as well.
2: Yeah. She's a big uh, John Gannon gal. Really? Um,
1: Actually, yeah. I wouldn't have known that. I guess yeah. I'm going to have to did ask. Did she say,
2: little. you know, if she says they're going to ep and gut them, you really know. You know, <laughs> I, really I, know.
1: Uh, Alexa did not go there. But she did go fly, Eagles fly, which was, I thought, very entertaining. All right, uh, partner, good week this week. Looking forward to next week. Uh, you're sticking around. You're staying here uh, with us in Philadelphia. So uh, I'm good to go for Monday. Are you?
2: Uh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Going out late in the week. So I'll be here.
1: Okay. Sounds good. Uh, we will come back on Monday. We got a full week to talk up the Eagles and the Chiefs. We'll try and get you some good guests to give their insights leading into Super Bowl 57. Be back on Monday in 2-2 two and two with Mac.
0: You've been listening to Birds 365